Hi, welcome to another episode of Learning with Lex. Um, I'm super excited to get deeper into some more dance history with you guys this week. Um, we only had one reading, so to start off, I'm going to talk about the video we did in class, um, we watched in class, and I'm also going to talk about a little activity we did in a group setting. Um, and then for Thursday, I'm going to talk as much as I can in depth about the reading we had. Um, I didn't attend class that day due to a family emergency, so bear with me. I'll try to be as in-depth as possible, but um, yeah, let's just get into it. So the first thing we did on class on Tuesday was we watched a video on Baroque dance. Now I'm going to give a refresher on what Baroque, or also called court dance, some characteristics about them. Um, they have lots of different formations, um, and their formations are often symbolic, and um, the audience is often uh, set from above, so there's very intricate formations that you will find, and there's a lot of attention to detail in that. Um, uh, and the layout, again, of the audience is very different because they're up above, but they also are actually on the court sometimes with the dancers. So this is not a stage setting. It eventually became a stage setting and uh, transformed more into a ballet. But um, for Baroque dancing, it was not set on a stage. Um, the dancers often had a large amount of material, and they also had some heels on their shoes, um, which is quite different than you will find um, uh, normal ballet clothes now. Um, they were very regal and... Uh, just really showed off their materials. Um, these dances were also often performed by nobles, for nobles, and then eventually over time were performed by professionals, and the plots for these dances were often taken from literature. So that's a good um, synopsis on what Baroque dancing is. Now to get a little more into the um, specific video we watched, I'm just going to talk about some things that the video mentioned. Um, one thing I mentioned was that the French ideal spread throughout European culture, um, which means uh, a lot of different uh, countries in Europe often look to the French for how their ballet was and how regal they were, and they just looked towards them a lot. Um, the order of dances you'll find for Baroque dances followed the order of social status, starting with the highest um, first and then going down status by status, which I thought was interesting. Um, there's also a thing called, uh, excuse me if I pronounce this wrong, Fouliet notation, um, which includes a bunch of information on public dances, which in the video the um, narrator kind of went through all these different dances and broke it down, which I'll get into a little more in a second. Um, most of these dances start with the right foot, um, and I was thinking that might be why in ballet we always start with the right side um, at the bar, and then you often always start with the right side even in center as well, and everything is just very right side dominated. Um, this could also be because people are naturally more right-sided. It's probably a combination of the two, but I do think maybe since these dances always started on the right, that influenced ballet as well. Um, getting more into the connections to ballet, um, you'll see connections by their clothing. Um, of course, ballet clothes show the body a little more than 
these clothes did since they were wearing so many layers, but um, ballet clothing, like tutus and stuff, still have a very like noble, beautiful, regal feeling to them. Um, they also had a very noble posture, which continues into ballet. You'll see with our apalm law and our placement of our head and our keeping our shoulders down and trying to elongate your like collarbone and all that. Um, this was because they were trying to look their best, attract a mate, look again, very noble, very proper, very beautiful. Um, so those are some connections you'll see with Baroque dance um, with ballet. Um, I also appreciated how this video um, showed it would zoom in on the feet so you could see very specific movements, but then it also had an aerial view, which I thought was great. Um, at first, it was kind of silly to me because, I mean, the, the lady was just uh, kind of silly, but um, she actually did a really good job of explaining everything. But um, once I realized that they were providing an aerial view, so you would be able to understand the intricate formations. I really appreciated how they showed that in the video. Um, and yeah, they just broke down a bunch of different dances, which you could see like through coupe and stuff like that has a clear connection to ballet now, but was done a little differently when it was Baroque dancing. And yeah, it was just a very helpful visual. Now I'm going to take you guys through an activity we did um, in class, which was super fun. Um, I worked with Carmen, Amani, and Stephanie for this assignment, and we were to look into the timeline for Western music and to find um, each different time period and then the sub-styles you will find in each time period. Um, so first we found... Um, ancient music um, and the two different step styles were Greek and Roman and early Christian. Um, Greek and Roman was 1200 BC to 500 AD um, and this time period was known for monophonic mode based music so like woodwind or brass instruments um, and the development of basic music theory. Early Christian was 200 through 500 AD, and you found the adaptation of Roman melodies to chant in this period. Next, you'll find the medieval period, and the two subtitles are Dark Ages and later medieval. And in the medieval period, you found um, Gregorian chants, um, which was two specific sounds conducted in unison. Next, you will find the Renaissance period, um, and this is 1400 to 1600, uh, and medieval was 500 to 1400. Forgot to mention that, but Renaissance, 1400 to 1600, you would find staff notation, which was a precise indication of pitch and rhythm. Next was the Baroque period, um, which went to about 1600 to about 1700. Um, some artists you will find in this time period was Vivaldi, Handel, and Bach. Next, you'll find the Classical period, which I think was about 1700 to 1820, um, which uh, had classical music, and Mozart and Beethoven were in this time period. Next, you'll find Romantic from 1820 to 1900. Um, so Romantic artists were Barrett, Chopin, and there was um, often an emphasis on originality in this time period. And then finally, for modern, it's 1900 to today. There's some two sub-styles in this, early modern and late modern. 
Um, you found a lot of Impressionism, radical work, and an artist at this time period is Stravinsky. Um, in my group, uh, we made a little colorful Google drawing, and we made this t uh, color-coordinated timeline, which was really helpful for us to be able to differentiate the different uh, time periods. And yeah, it was a fun activity that helped us understand more about the timeline of Western music. Now, lastly, I'm going to talk about the reading that was due on Thursday. Um, this was entitled Ballet, A History in Broad Brushstrokes. Um, and I'm just going to talk about some facts I read in the reading, and I hope you find them to be helpful. Um, the first fact I uh, that stuck with me was that ballet is the oldest form of Western theatrical dancers or dancing. And... Um, I kind of already knew that, but I hadn't read it like that, so it was nice to um, really nail that into my brain. Um, this reading also mentions Louis XIV again, um, who, uh, if you listen to my last podcast, if you're keeping up, <laughs> um, he made the Royal Academy of Dancing, um, and he was a super theatrical dude. He loved ballet, started to do main roles when he was about 14. Um, everything was theater for him. He would make it a big deal if he was going to bed or entering a different room. Um, and under his rule, he, um, like the French architecture really changed and everything, just life was much more theatrical. The buildings were more theatrical. There were city squares, which felt more theatrical and he really influenced ballet and he also made ballet a lot more um a lot more people could take ballet because of his academy um and it created the ability uh to be a professional ballet dancer a lot easier so much more accessible because of him some more points that were made in this reading were um as technique developed so too did a new idea of what ballet should be and what it should uh, accomplish. Um, and some new developments you found in ballet were lighting, the addition of a curtain, and um, point shoes were being more um, shown into romantic ballets, which made um, women were a little bit more prominent, well, quite a bit more prominent in ballets rather than it just always being about the men in ballets. Um, so that progressed. Um, uh, the focus on ballet eventually began to shift to Russia um, over time and less focus on just being in the French. Um, and an artist I want to mention is Marius Pepita, or Pepita. He, sorry if I pronounced that wrong, <laughs> he created Sleeping Beauty, um, which was the last court ballet for courts by courts, according to the reading. Um, and then jumping more into like modern day, ballet and modern are much more connected now. There was a big disconnect and you wouldn't see the two together. Um, and now they are very, it's more acceptable to see them overlapping, I guess is a good way to put it. So yeah, um, I hope that was educational for everyone listening, and um, thank you for tuning in to Learning with Flex, and I hope you have a good day. Thank you.